Have you been blessed materially in your life? Pastor John Randall reminds us today that with that blessing comes responsibility. The Bible says this, to whom much is given, much will be required. If God has entrusted you with something, you are responsible for what he has entrusted you with. And you will at one point in your life give an account for all that he's entrusted to you. And we won't be able to blame somebody else. Well, it's their fault. I didn't. No, it's I've been entrusted with it. It's my responsibility. We are accountable. We're pleased to present A Daily Walk. Currently on the broadcast, we're following the footsteps of Christ during his earthly ministry through a study of Luke. How we choose to spend our money has a great deal to say about where we're at spiritually. So what does your debit or credit card say about you, if you are honest with yourself? Today, Pastor John Randall will show us how to view and use what we've been given in a God-glorifying way. And as we'll soon see, it stands in stark contrast to the way of the world. With Luke 16 in full view, here's Pastor John. Luke chapter 16. Please follow along with me as we read the first several verses. And Jesus said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, Well, what shall I do? My master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And so he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. And he said to another, How much do you owe? And so he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Jesus begins to tell yet another parable. And this time he directs it toward his disciples, his followers. It has been referred to as the parable of the unjust steward. Each one of Jesus's parables had an application for the listener. In that culture, it was not uncommon for a man to be employed as a steward. A steward would have a master. A master would be the owner of particular lands or commodities. And that steward essentially would be entrusted with accounts payable and making sure that people were paying on time and overseeing and really managing all that belonged to his master. It did not belong to him. It belonged to his master. And he would have been entrusted with that stewardship. But this man in the story that Jesus tells, he was not a faithful steward, but rather he was a crooked steward. And so the parable opens up in the first two verses with number one, an accusation brought against the steward, the accusation. And the accusation that we read there was that the steward was wasting his master's goods. It apparently, what had happened is the master had gone away for a period of time. 
leaving the steward in charge. Again, this was not uncommon. This was part of the job description. But while he was gone, the steward took advantage of the situation. He began to mismanage, to misuse what did not belong to him. However, his behavior was found out. Word eventually got back to his master what he had been doing and how he had been wasting the master's goods. You know, sometimes people feel as though they can get away with something dishonest, underhanded, and for a time, they're even successful. But there comes a moment, there comes a day of reckoning when that which is done in secret is brought to the light, when that which has been hidden is revealed. The Bible says that the Lord sees everything, that all things are naked and open before the Lord to whom we must give an account. And people might be successful hiding things and covering things up. But God has ways of bringing those things to the light. In fact, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. The steward, his sin had found him out and he was wasting his master's goods. As believers, we each have been given a stewardship. All that we have ultimately comes from and belongs to the Lord. We aren't the master. We are more of a house manager of our master's goods. And here's a question that we want to ask ourselves before we proceed in light of this. Are we wasting what it is that we have been given or are we investing what we have been given? Have we forgotten that what we have is not ultimately ours, nor can we take it with us? Are we a genuine and honest steward or are we devious and deceitful? Well, the steward was not only wasting his master's goods, as we read, but we also see that he was held accountable for his actions. He would be held responsible for what he had and had not done. The Bible says this, to whom much is given, much will be required. If God has entrusted you with something, you are responsible for what he has entrusted you with. And you will at one point in your life give an account for all that he's entrusted to you. And we won't be able to blame somebody else. Well, it's their fault. I didn't. No, it's, I've been entrusted with it. It's my responsibility. We are accountable. The Bible makes it clear that one day we will stand before the Lord and give an account of our lives. In fact, Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his first epistle, as well as in his second epistle, and he mentioned this. First of all, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul said, Each one's work will become clear, for the day, that is the day we stand before the Lord, will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work, of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. In other words, Paul said, there's coming a day. And when we stand in that, that light that the Lord dwells in and, and he examines the work of our lives, that which was built with wood, hay, and stubble will be consumed in a moment. But that which was built with gold, silver, and precious stones, those things that are eternal, they will last. In his second letter, he said it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this time verse 10. Paul said, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Again, the emphasis is placed on the fact that every single believer will one day stand before the living God. 
and they will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account for what they have done with what they have been entrusted with. Now, when it speaks of the judgment seat, this isn't a judgment that we will be judged for our sins. Our sins were judged at Calvary. That is the great white throne judgment that some will stand before the non-believer. That is one that you do not want to go to and be there. You don't have to be. Jesus made a way where you could just stand before the judgment seat. But when we stand before the judgment seat, it's referred to as the Bema seat of Christ. And that is the place where we will receive rewards for what we have done with the things in this life. God's going to reward us. The Bible speaks about crowns that are reserved for us, things that will be given to us as a result of being faithful stewards. We will be held accountable. The unjust steward here in the parable knew that he would be held responsible. He knew also that because he had been unfaithful, his job would be terminated. And so we move from the accusation against the steward to secondly, listen, the consideration of the steward's options. Seen in verse 3. It says, then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? My master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig and I am ashamed to beg. The steward knew that this day was coming. And so he began to look at the situation and figure out how, if possible, he could avoid the inevitable. He had been caught. He was on his way out. But as he is considering his options, he rules a few things out immediately. For one thing, I cannot dig. Maybe he was too old at that point and that was such manual labor he would be unable to dig. I can't do that. The second thing he says is, I'm too ashamed to beg. There are certain things I will not do even though I've been caught. You know, Jesus, as he reveals the inner thoughts of the steward, what I see in this is a person trying to fix a situation rather than owning up to it and repenting of it. They're caught, they're busted, they're in trouble, they know it. So what do they do? How do I fix it? How do I get out of it? How do I deliver myself? There's no, you'll notice here the steward didn't say, you know what I ought to do? I ought to write an apology. I ought to pay back everything that I wasted. I ought to repent. There's no thought of that. It's just, how can I fix the situation? How can I get through this and still keep going? And some people, that's what they do. The Lord has mapped out, this is what you're supposed to do, but they've ruled it out. No, I'm not gonna do that. Why won't you do that? Why won't you dig? Why why won't you beg? Well, I'm too proud. Why won't you repent? Well, that would mean that I was actually wrong. And I don't think I want to, even though I am. I don't want to admit it. I'm proud. Man, pride stands in the way of God restoring and working. And some people just so caught up in pride, unwilling to admit that they're wrong. And they'll go to their grave without repenting. And they'll be separated from the Lord for eternity. Guys, the Bible exhorts us to walk in humility if we're wrong, not trying to fix it myself, not trying to connive my way out of this, but rather repent of it. Well, this steward, as he's thinking about his options, he comes up with a plan. And here we find the resolution of the steward. The solution to his problem found in verse four, he said, I have resolved what to do. He has an idea that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors. And he said to them, how much do you owe? And they began to tell him, I owe a hundred measures. He said, well, cut that bill in half and here you go, give me 50 and, and please do it quickly. My master is coming. You know, he's taking care of business fast. 
and goes to the next one. He goes to the next one. All of these people that were indebted to his master, he begins to go around to them and, and he says, listen, whatever your bill is, just write it off and just give what you can right now. And, and by doing that, what he had done with this solution is he had padded his fall. He knew that he was going to need a place to go. He knew that he was going to need a job. He knew that harvest time was coming and these people were going to have to make their payments with interest. So he reduces their debts. And as a result of reducing their debts, they are now indebted to him. So not only did he waste his master's goods, but now he embezzles all of his master's goods. I mean, this guy's on a roll. Nobody checked the background on this guy. Nobody checked his references. This guy was wicked. You would not hire a person like this. But what is said next in the parable, I think is probably the most astounding thing of all, the most shocking in light of the dishonest and criminal behavior of this unjust steward. Look at the commendation of the steward in verse eight. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And we immediately react and we think, how could he be commended? How could he say, good job, that was shrewd. I mean, he ripped you off. He took all your goods. He, he took the money that was owed to you. And we react, how could he, how could he respond in that way? Now, there's a few things you have to understand. First of all, the master in the story is not the father commending some wicked servant. Secondly, the master did not commend the steward for dishonesty, nor did he praise him for being lazy or for embezzling. He commended him for one thing only, and that was for being shrewd. What does it mean? The word shrewd means to act providentially. He acted advantageously. He took careful advantage of his opportunity and he worked out the situation as it related to his future. This unjust servant was so diligent in taking care of the future for something that was temporary. How many people do you know today? Non-believers, but they take so much consideration of their future. They look at every opportunity, every angle, somehow to prepare for the future. That is not going to last. What is the application of this parable? How does this apply to my life as a believer in Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, make note here in verse 8 that Jesus states a fact. The fact is this. The sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. What Jesus does here is he draws a comparison between the sons of this world. That would refer to non-believers to the sons of light referred to believers and how the sons of this world, they take advantage of every opportunity for fleshly, temporal, carnal gain. They look at every angle for the things that don't last. They have zeal and energy and passion and they work really hard to achieve this and achieve that as they try to set up themselves for their future. But sometimes believers, sons of light, they don't have the same fire. They don't have the same pursuit. They don't have the same passion for the things that are eternal, that will last forever. The things that will never fade away. And the thought of of sending one's treasures ahead is more of an afterthought rather than, than a real intentional aspect of my life. 
But for the non-believer, for the sons of this world, they are working and thinking how I can, I got to plan for my future. I got to do this and I got to do this and it's temporary. And so I got to, they set everything up and diversify this way, and diversify that way. So much energy, so much of their thinking power devoted to that because they're trying to set themselves up for their temporary kingdom. But how much more the sons of light who have a future that is glorious and eternal ought to be taking advantage of opportunities as it relates to sending treasure ahead. This seems to be what Jesus is implying here. The sons of this world take advantage of opportunities. Sometimes for the sons of light, they just kind of, well, you know, I'll get around to it when I get around to it. The steward was commended because he took advantage of the present situation to set himself up for what he knew was coming in the future. And as it relates to eternity, we know that one day we're going to die. And we also know that when we die, we can take nothing with us. Naked we came into this world and naked we will go out, the Bible says. And so in light of that, knowing I can't take it with me, the Bible does say I can send it ahead. I can invest in things that will affect me for all of eternity. I can lay it for myself, as Jesus said, treasures in heaven where nothing can touch it. Most of the investments that you invest in now, eventually they will fade, they will end, they will come to nothing. It is temporal. The kingdoms of this world will eventually fall, but there's a kingdom of God that will last forever. And I am investing personally into that kingdom because I know that that inheritance is incorruptible, reserved for me in glory. It's going to be there. I'm sending it ahead. I know I can't take it with me. I want to be set up for the heavenly kingdom, as it were. And so I'm investing in the things of God. This is what Jesus seems to be saying as he exhorts to use unrighteous mammon or financial means for the purpose of furthering the kingdom. The money that God places at our disposal, making use of it in such a way that we will be reaping eternal benefits. Invest in the things of the kingdom that when everything else fails, that'll never fail. When we get to the end of the road, guys, it'll be reserved there for us. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about this in writing to the Philippians. You remember? He talked to them about how they supported the work of the ministry. And he said to them, you know, as they were investing, he said, here's the thing. It was fruit unto their account. In other words, every church that Paul planted, every place that he went, everything that he was doing, it was going to be added to their account. It would be attributed to them. They were a part of it. You know, I read something. I desired to read what Pastor Chuck had to say on this particular message on this particular subject. And I found it interesting what I read. I want to read it to you. It says this. He said, when I get to heaven, and he's there, he said, I can expect to meet a lot of people that I've never seen before, who, though I've never seen them, I in some way am partially responsible for them being there in the heavenly kingdom. Well, how so? He went on to say, imagine a man from Africa going to heaven. And when he arrives, he will say, now, how did I hear about the gospel? And the Lord will look through the books and say, well, actually, it was that missionary that Chuck Smith supported. And so when he arrives, when he gets here, look for him. And so this fellow will come up to me when I get to heaven and he'll say, hey, I want to thank you, brother. I appreciate what you did. And I will say, who are you? He said, oh man, I'm a Ubangi. And he said, you brought me the gospel. And Chuck said, I'll say, I've never been to Africa. I didn't bring you the gospel. He said, oh, it was the missionary that you supported that brought the gospel to me and it's fruit to your account. He's experiencing that now. And so will you. 
Jesus, having stated a fact based upon observation, he then gives an exhortation to his disciples. And here's the exhortation. In verse 9, look what it says. I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. Then when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. The first thing he says when he refers to unrighteous mammon, that word just means financial resources. It means money. He says, unrighteous mammon, use it for the purpose you're investing wisely so that when you come into the kingdom, you'll see that your treasures have been, in essence, sent ahead. Now, listen, some folks get really uncomfortable when you come to passages in the Bible that deal with the pocketbook. Body language, just suddenly people just start moving around and looking at their watch. And, you know, I don't know what it is. It just is. If you could see what I see, you would see it. (laughs) But when you think about it, for most people, money occupies the majority of the thinking. Where are we going to get it? How are we going to get it? How do we get more of it? And who's going to protect it when I'm gone? And who gets it when I'm gone? These are things that in a given day, you can think so much about. It can dominate your thinking. And I'm not saying don't be thinking about what you've been entrusted with, but, but make sure there's balance in your thinking. Now, one thing you might find unique at Calvary Chapel is that we don't ever get up from this platform and beg you for money. We don't tell you how poor God is and how that if you don't give, we are, this is it. This is our last Sunday. We're done. We're closing the doors. Unless we have two more offerings. Ushers lock the doors. Let's try this again. Come on up, play a song. People need to dig deep. You know, you'll never hear that. We don't do that. We don't use methods that are carnal. You'll never see a thermometer up on the back wall. Or you'll, you'll never have a time when someone will ask you as you enter. Uh, can we, do you have a copy of your W-2s? Next week is W-2 Sunday. Everybody bring it in. <laughs> Want to see what you make so we know how much you can give. It won't happen. You'll never have anybody call you on the phone and say, Hey, uh, notice uh, kind of been slacking off here. Are you guys, are you still with us? Are you partnering? No one will ever do that. We laugh, but there are places where people do that. I'm serious. You can't be a member of the church unless you bring the W-2 and show how much you're going to support it. Well, we believe that where God guides, he provides. And if the Lord's in it, he'll provide for it. However, Jesus did give us some principles of giving in the scriptures. One place to consider is that in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And Jesus said very simply, when you do a charitable deed, don't do it to be seen by men. Otherwise... You have no reward from your father in heaven. But when you do a charitable deed, he said, don't sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. I say to you, that's the reward. There it is. This is a daily walk with Pastor John Randall, who today continued our study of Luke. Would you like to hear this message again? Just go to adailywalk.org or listen wherever you get your podcasts or call and request a CD copy for a cost of $5 at 877-242-0828. That's 877-242-0828. Another convenient way to listen to Pastor John is through our mobile app, 
Be among the thousands that are being encouraged in their daily walk by downloading that today. Find our app by searching for Calvary South OC. Looking for a great devotional to go through here at the beginning of a new year? Allow me to recommend Michelle Randall's new revised A Daily Walk for Women. It's been expanded to 366 daily readings, one Devo for each day of the year, reminding you that in Christ, you never walk alone. Jesus is with you every step of the way. You can order it right now for the price of $15 at adailywalk.org or call 877-242-0828. That's 877-242-0828 and at adailywalk.org. As the Lord leads, we would also appreciate your financial support. We're consistently hearing from people that are being helped through the teaching of God's Word, and your gifts help to make that possible. So thank you for standing with us in 2024. To make a donation today, to help us continue the ministry on your station and others like it, visit adailywalk.org or call 877-242-0828. And if you're not a part of our online communities, start following us today. Pastor John shares biblical encouragement throughout the week on Instagram at John P. Randall and on Twitter at PJRandall7. Now here's a preview of our next study in Luke. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been given a stewardship. What are you doing with what you've been given? Are you using it for his glory? Are you investing wisely? Are you using it faithfully? God loves you completely. Serve a master that loves you. Anything else is bondage outside of him. And so I want to encourage you today, encourage myself to be a faithful steward, knowing that one day we will stand before the Lord and give an account for what we have done with what we have been given. We're laying up treasures in heaven next time on A Daily Walk with Pastor John Randall. This is a presentation of Calvary South O.C. 